One loves KidVid, the other loves cooking. It's the DigiGuys. And now, please welcome a guy with a life mate and a guy who's on J-Date, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. That's the uh, Oscar Oscar winning music from the Omen. Yeah, uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. Hey, uh, Corey, who sent us our intro for the Halloween show? That was sent in by Mario Big Ass Mendez. He'll get it. Yeah, he will. Did See, because you know? Mario's brother did Big Ass Spider, and uh, spiders are scary, so it's perfect for the Halloween show. Shout so, out to you, Mario. Did you know? That um, and your brother Mike. Yes, did I know that uh, James Horner yes. briefly dated Jerry Goldsmith's daughter? I did know that. Not weird. Yeah, yeah it's kind of. Yeah, was that part of like James Horner trying to like absorb the essence of Jerry Goldsmith and steal all of his? Uh... <laughs> I think <laughs> trying to weasel his way into the into the gene pool. I don't know. That's very interesting. So uh, yes, this is uh, this is a Halloween show. We got we got we have a lot of junk. <laughs> There's a lot of really bad horror, but we're gonna have fun with the show anyway. Um, for stars, we also have a giveaway, and uh, I might do that just right at the top of the show. Actually, yes, Wade, let people know. Okay, so we have a, we have a giveaway. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna talk about this right now. Why not? Just get this out of the way. So um, you're gonna be sending. I, I'm not even gonna talk about the the movie yet. I'll just give all the details. Go ahead and email us at gods at digigods.com. Email us at gods at digigods.com. Now, admittedly, Halloween is um, more than a week away, but it falls on a Monday, and this show usually posts on a Tuesday. So. You got plenty of time, so uh, make sure that we get our uh, our email dated no later than October twenty eighth. Time and date stamp should be October twenty eighth. Put Phantom in the subject line, Phantom, and then your name and mailing address in the body of the email. And uh, four lucky people will win win Phantom of the Theater for Halloween. Uh, Phantom of the Theater is from Wellgo. It is on DVD, not on Blu-ray. Just want everybody to know that. And this is uh, this is a really, really cool um, uh, Chinese thriller from director Raymond Yip, who previously did The Warlords and Iceman and a lot of other cool films. And uh, it's a it's basically a um, it's a it's a spooky haunted house movie done you know Chinese style, and it's really actually quite cool. Um, there, there are a lot of interesting ins and outs to this thing. Uh, Simon Yam shows up in here, which I always enjoy because he's in everything going back, you know, 30 years. He's one of those Hong Kong actors who just always, always comes back and he's always really good. Um, the, the, you know, it's just basically pretty easy. Uh, the the storyline is very simple as a theater and, uh, it's, it's haunted because 13 years earlier, there were a bunch of people, a bunch of actors who were, you know, died in a fire there. So as always, always is the case with a haunted house movie, you, uh, you know, you have spirits who cannot leave the building until something liberates them. Uh, nothing new there, but just a lot of really great style and some cool plot twists. And uh, I think it's a really fun movie. Phantom of the Theater. Uh, so go ahead, email us at gods at digigods.com. Put Phantom in the subject line, name and address in the body of the email, and if uh, and we'll you know make sure it gets to us no later than October 28th. And we will send four very. Uh, it's not going to get to you in time for Halloween, but it'll get to you in time to uh, to enjoy. So anyway, Phantom of the Theater. Thank you, Wellgo, for furnishing us uh, a wonderful giveaway this week. So, um, so Mark, what are you going to do for Halloween? What? Huh? What? 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 What are you doing for Halloween? I don't, <laughs> I'm still coughing. I know. I don't know yet, but I have a dream. One dream I have is to turn on the air conditioning. Can I turn on the air conditioning? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, sure. And then I will answer your question. Yes. All right. Well, in the meanwhile, I'll... Uh, I'll oh, kick... It didn't take long. Yeah, whatever. I'll my dream... The... Yes. My dream for Halloween. Yes. yes. When I was in Japan... Right. This is 15 years ago. Of course. I bought a kimono. And it has been my dream to... Uh, Attend a Halloween party, dress as a geisha girl. Uh-huh. I'd get full white make white makeup on my face, paint my lips totally red, put on the kimono, right. wear the sandals, and go as and maybe put a little thing in my hair and go as a geisha girl. I've always wanted to do that. This may not be the year for that. In fact, uh, this is not yeah, the year for that. I'm gonna guess it probably isn't. <laughs> So we have a really nasty gore fest here. If you like gore, you're gonna love this. Uh, the director of Cannibal Holocaust, Ruggiero Diodato. 
uh, produced this, and the director is Lex Ortega. The movie is Atros. And uh, this is, it's a Mexican horror film. It's just really nasty. Uh, not my style, not my speed by any means. It's in Spanish, of course. Uh, not that that matters. It's still just nasty. It doesn't have a language. But um, it's, a, it's a serial killer film, and uh, it gets into just some really horrible, horrible, just nasty detours. Um, just too much, too much, you know, torture porn and gore and all that. It's, it's, it's you know, it's just nasty. Anyway, uh, but it's a, it's a, one of those dueling, dual serial killer movies, and uh, there are a few that kind of do that where the whole point is that you've not, got not just one killer but two. Well, all right, fair enough. Twice the pleasure, twice the fun. Anyway, Atroz, A-T-R-O-Z, whatever. It's a thing. And uh, then let me, uh, let's see here. We've got, uh, let's see, A Better Place. This is a little bit more of a normal speed for people. Uh, if, you, if you don't want your Halloween to be overly saturated in disgustingness, uh, if you want something a little bit more bearable and you're having guests over, maybe A Better Place is, uh, is a cooler film to, to, to go with. Um, this is from Monarch. And it is more psychological horror than anything else. Uh, this, is a, this is about a guy named Jeremy who uh, has the strange and unusual ability to um, extend pain and suffering to, if he's ever attacked, let me put it this way, if he's ever attacked, um, he's able to make his attacker's loved ones suffer. Maybe that's a better way of putting wow. it. Yes, right. So, uh, and it's a, you know, it sounds like something you'd expect to find like an X-Men thing or maybe like a metahuman on the Flash would have this ability. I don't know. Maybe it's like the empath, the opposite of the empath in that Star Trek episode, the empath. Uh, instead of absorbing punishment, you extend punishment. That's what it would be. Anyway, so he never really leaves the house, and uh, then he does, and things happen. So uh, check it out. A Better Place. It's an interesting little indie. Not bad. It's got a, you know, it's got a thing going. And uh, let me do another one here, and then I will, uh, I will let Mark delve into some, some strange and scary and unusual... Uh, crap. Uh, crap. Uh, six Plots. <laughs> so uh, this thing was described by Horror Junkies, which is a site I've never even heard of. Uh, this is their their description of this, which is on the cover, and which I read, and I thought, "What? Uh, I don't get it. How does that work?" They, they called it "Saw Meets Buried," and I and I thought, "Okay, fair enough. Saw Meets Buried." But Saw is a one kind of film, and Buried is just a guy. It's just you know Ryan Reynolds in a in a coffin and it's a kind of a gimmick. How does that work? <laughs> it's exactly what it is. So um, it, 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 this is it just some, this woman has the unenviable task of trying to save her six friends who have all been buried in various locations uh, around the city, and there's something different that is going to kill each one of them. It's like six deadly sins, six plots, whatever, you, you, whatever it is. So it, it, it is basically, it is Saw meets Buried. It's, it's, a, it's a Saw, it's a, it's a sadistic Saw experiment, but it centers around people who are all, who've all been buried alive in different and horrible ways. I, it's this, it's, you know, it's not funny in, in in practice. It's funny to me in concept for some strange reason. Anyway, so she obviously can't call anybody. She's got you know they'll because they'll die. So she's got to go out and she's got to figure out how to save her friends. Um, is it well done? I, I guess it's as well done as can be. They didn't have a lot of money to make this thing. It's uh, it maximizes its budget rather uh, substantially. Um, Lay Sheehan, who directed it, pretty solid effort. So uh, a movie called Six Plots, one of the more interesting Halloween type. Horror. In, it's hard to do anything new these days. So, anyway, there it is. What else do we have, Mark? What's going to scare people this week? Well, we have American Horror Story Hotel. It's scary because it's yeah, not that good. Uh-huh. You know, somehow they got this... Um, Ryan Murphy got this amazing coup of getting Lady Gaga right. to play... That's uh, pretty, that was a great coup. It really was. It really that was came a out of nowhere. Coup. Yeah. But the thing, the thing, too, is that it's, it's safe for her because it's not like she's got to give a full-bodied emotional performance in a drama or something where you can really take a look at how good she is or isn't. 
you know, this is a this is a show where she can just dress up in crazy clothes and act weird, and there you go. So it seems like something that is in her wheelhouse. It doesn't seem like a big step for her, um, but good on her for going for it. Um, the the issue is that Lady Gaga is kind of all it's got going for it. I just feel like this season was a bunch of garish, you know, shots and attitude and whatnot. I just feel there wasn't a whole lot of story there. I mean, it takes place in this uh, hotel. And it's got a great cast. It's got Kathy Bates and Angela Bassett and Dennis O'Hare, who I love, and Sarah Paulson, who, of course, uh, just won an Emmy for uh, People versus O.J. Simpson. But, uh, you know, visually it's great. They always, have that, they always have that very sexually suggestive key art that really pushes the boundaries that I always enjoy looking at. Um, so it's full of images and pieces of dialogue that are crazy and out there and wacky, but I just feel like it doesn't really cohere that well as a complete story that with characters I'm interested to see. So I think there are better uh, seasons of uh, American Horror Story, although people will be intrigued by Lady Gaga. Sweet. I, I, I have never been into this show, uh, but the presence of Lady Gaga, I will confess, is something that I, uh, I am likely to find interesting and compelling. Uh, i got a thing here called Masks, which is a uh, special edition Blu-ray and DVD combo set, limited edition, 3,000 copies only. Uh, so this is, uh, this is from a, 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 an interesting small um, company called Real Gore. And uh, I think it's actually quite good, to be honest. The, uh, it's, an, it's a German film directed by Andreas Marschall. And uh, he is, this is I, I love reading the quotes on the boxes, too, because it's hysterical. So he is quoted as being, here's the quote. Andreas Marschall is the German Dario Argento. Oh, no. I'm yes. out. Do you know who, who, whose quote that is? Uh, Rod Brewington. Jörg Butgerite. <laughs> I don't know who Jörg Butgerite is. I'm not really familiar with Andreas Marschall, but apparently if you're German, this is like a big deal. Big this deal. is a German calling another German the German Dario Argento. I guess. Anyway, here's the idea. So you got a woman. She's, uh, she's accepted to this Berlin uh, Drama Academy. She's so excited. She's going to be a great actress. She's loving it. It's fantastic. Famous Academy. And then, uh, but something's not right. This, this, this uh, stage school, not quite a deal. There's not something right. It's all wrong. And uh, obviously there are, uh, there, there are, there's a history of deaths at the school. And then things start happening and uh, there's like this wing of the school where you know no one dares go. It, it's it's the usual deal, right? It's usually a mansion. It's usually a haunted mansion that has all of those particulars about it. In this case, no, it's it's just extended to a Berlin stage school. No, plot-wise, there's nothing going on here except that you know you you build up the suspense and then you introduce horror and gore and jeopardy and then uh, the person has to escape and at the end of it, hopefully, there's some kind of a uh, a breathe a sigh of relief and some catharsis. But it's well done. So I'm not going to go so far as to say Andreas Marschall is the new German Dario Argento, but uh, it's, uh, he's got some chops and he can do some interesting stuff. So, um, you know, good on him. Some interesting stuff coming out of Europe these days. Wait, what's not interesting is uh, Fender Bender, although some people kind of like this movie. Um, the conceit, I have to say, will be intriguing to um, folks of a certain age who are grow- starting to grow up with Uber, you know? The ride-sharing service, not the ride-sharing, yes. you know, the uh, taxi service, Uber? Sure. Because this one is about a guy who targets his victims by, he'll, he'll like, there'll be like a little tiny fender bender, he'll purposely kind of hit your car just a little bit, you know, you get out, you exchange information, and then when you drive away, he stalks you and kills you. Yep. It's sort of like an Uber driver from hell. So there's a little bit of uh, topical juice going on there, which I guess gives it some interest uh, to a certain audience. So... That's what it's about, and, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. What, what, what are you going to say about these low-budget horror films, you know? The, the conceit is okay. The only thing, with, the only thing is that I, I don't think that this, that this particular killer, as clever as it might be in the Uber era, I don't think that it necessarily warrants, uh, you know, Fender Bender 2, 3, 4, as he continues driving around and, and hitting people and whatever. Um, so if you like this kind of stuff, um, it's, it's one of the... This is not really much of a uh, compliment, but it's one of the better, you know, thrillers set on, on sure. highways, like The Hitcher or Joyride or even Duel, which is kind of like yeah. the, the original one, the Spielberg film. Yeah. So um, 
if you're if you're into that stuff, if if the milieu, the idea of a driver on the open road who hits you and exchanges information and stalks you is interesting, which I understand, especially maybe you're young and you're just getting your first driver's license and what's it like to drive and how dangerous is it on the road. This might be kind of a fun little hour and a half at the at the movies. Okay, we got, <laughs> we got some some really unhinged stuff here. So we have Killjoy Goes to Hell from Charles Band. Uh, Charles, Charles Band. Band. Charles Band. <laughs> Still doing stuff. So, um, yeah, Killjoy Goes to Hell. This is from 2012. I know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Charles Band still doing stuff? Whatever. Full Moon, still there. So, Killjoy is an evil clown. And uh, this is a courtroom drama. He's on trial in a hell, and he has to prove that he's worthy of being, uh, of entering hell. It's just so ridiculous. It's so, it's almost it's not really scary in any conceivable way. It's just unhinged and, uh, and, and very silly and uh, modestly amusing. Uh, then we also have uh, Pretty Dead, 10 horror film compilation, if you just don't want to decide between any of the junk that we're talking about today. Um, and uh, this is 10 films that you will almost certainly never have heard of that uh, they just decided over at Mill Creek you know what, uh, we're never going to sell any more copies of these, so let's just throw them onto a single collection and we'll, we'll be done with it. Uh, Monsters in the Woods, Sparrow, Pretty Dead, Occupied, uh, Bunny Man is maybe the most famous of any of these backwater. They, look, 10 really low-grade horror films uh, that no one is going to buy independently, but if you're having a Halloween party, throw it on in the background. There's plenty of uh, gore and effects and weird stuff in there to uh, keep people interested. Then if you really want to uh, go completely blue with this, Bayview has released uh, Sex After Death, Paranormal Sex Experiments. Nothing scary here. This is just a really, really cheesy 80s era um, softcore wrapped up in evil and demonic uh, storylines. It's pretty silly. It's pretty stupid. But... You know what? It's 81 minutes that you could put onto your uh, television during a party, and uh, especially a costume party, and uh, people will be either amused or horrified. This is one of my favorites. Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. Right? <laughs> I'm in. Right? I'm in. Check him out. I love him. He's a, were- he's a redneck werewolf. I like his hat. Just has like a, just a random three on it. For like yeah, years. and he's got that cigar, and he's got the shotgun, and the pickup truck, and the whole deal. He's Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. Uh, again, ridiculous beyond all comprehension. The Bubba makeup is just it's the worst in the world. It's just a terrible costume. Uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't matter because uh, he Bubba's he's basically a guy who's you know he's a dog catcher who becomes a werewolf, and uh, that's as much as you really need to know. Uh, apparently, this is based on a comic book series, which I've never heard of. But uh, if you're a fan of the comic, must it'll probably have some uh, some kind of cachet with you. Uh, let me throw another one in here before I throw it back to you, Mark. The Killer Shrews. The Killer Shrews, one of my all-time favorite low-grade exploitation films in a double feature with the giant Gila Monster. Killer Shrews and the giant Gila Monster. Uh, this is also from Bayview, and uh, both of these films have a cult following. They are uh, from the right, the late, six, the, uh, late 50s, early 60s. A lot of, a lot of just silliness here. Uh, James Best is in this thing. Might remember him as uh, Roscoe Coltrane on uh, Dukes of Hazard. Uh, it's you know it's classic '50s '60s era exploitation stuff. A lot of fun. Uh, you get both of them on one uh, one DVD set. Yes, they are both in the public domain. This looks as good as any you're likely to get out there. So thank you to Bayview for for <laughs> letting us resurrect these two horrible films. Speaking of horrible films, The Mind's Eye. Now, The Mind's Eye is. Um This is a real throwback to, you know, the low-budget, you know, trashy, midnight movie-type films of the 80s. I don't think that he knows that. I mean, I'm sure he knows that, but I don't know that he was necessarily trying to make that kind of a film, but it turns out he did. And it's got a very, like, it even evokes, like, you know, all those telekinetic films, everything from Firestarter to, there's a whole bunch of them back then. Um, It's about these... Two guys, Zach and Rachel are their names, not that it matters. They're born with these really, there's psychic powers, and there's this doctor who wants to, like, you know, he wants to drain their powers and give it to himself so that he can kill people. And, you know, there's a certain, 
trashiness to it, a certain low-budget, you know, fun throwbackiness to it that I guess if you're in, that I guess if this stuff resonates with you, you might kind of get a kick out of. I just wish that in 2016 you could do something more with it other than just do a faded carbon copy of what other people did in the 80s. So, you know, I like the fact that there's some kind of cool effects in it. Um, it's not particularly well shot. It's low, very low budget looking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the mind's eye, you've got to really kind of groove on that kind of early 80s, midnight, you know, midnight slasher film horror stuff to get a kick out of it. I, I certainly didn't. All right, and then we also have from Wild Eye releasing The Neon Dead. <laughs> My, what is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. The taglines on these things are the best. Uh, Mark, read the tag. A grin from fear to fear <laughs> in a world. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. It's just really ridiculous. So this one is touted. I, I, I don't even need to watch these movies. I just need to read the taglines and the quotes on the, on, the, on the packaging because it's just it's priceless, the stuff they find. So James Rolfe... Of angry, roof, roof, roof. of angry video game nerd. What are these sites? Angry is there really a site called Angry Video I, Game Nerd? James I'm look up for it right now. Angry, angry video, video Game Nerd says it's a visual feast. Evil Dead nerd. meets Suspiria meets Ghostbusters. Okay, let, let, you know, let's somehow. <laughs> I need a quote where we can put on the box that has the word Ghostbusters on it because people will think that. Oh my ang- god! Oh, it's an uh, Angry Video Game Nerd is an American comedy series. There you go. It's an American comedy retro gaming web series created and starring James Rolfe. Yeah. It's a joke. I think the thing is a joke. It's not even like a real... Well, whatever it is. It's not a valid quote. Who cares? So uh, the, this is written and directed by Tori Haas, who does an audio commentary on here, which uh, suggests certainly that they had a lot more fun making it than you're likely to have watching it. But, you know, look, hey, it's okay. It's, I, I, I'm not going to be overly critical. Uh, not a lot of money here. Most of these things have very, very, no, very, low, very small budgets. Uh, so the idea here is that you have a couple of paranormal exterminators who are hired by this, uh, this woman to, um, to get the you know, the, the, uh, the monster infestation out of her house. Um, and, and that's it. It's, you know, it, basically it's, uh, you know, Ghostbusters on a very, very small scale with a, a few good scares in it. And it's, uh, it's cheesy and it's cheap and it's occasionally funny. And uh, I'm not going to take anything away from them. They clearly had fun making it. So, uh, you know, you might want to give it a shot. That is the Neon Dead. Um, there's something in the Demolisher that I thought was kind of... Promising, although in the end it just winds up being another one of those films. Now, stay with me. It's a um, it's a vigilante thriller, you could say, and it's about a uh, cable repairman who who was hunting down the members of the gang that attacked his wife and left her paralyzed. And so you're thinking Death Wish, and I don't blame you for thinking Death Wish. Um, but there's an interesting twist on it, which is that this guy who kind of like starts to get a bit of a thrill from just a, just tailing people and terrorizing them more than he does want to avenge his wife, he winds up stalking this innocent woman who had nothing to do with the attack on his wife, which I think was kind of an interesting twist. Um, it was pretty well shot and has a cool score. And so there is something to The Demolisher. I almost feel like if it was a little bit better, it could have spawned a series. Yeah. Um, But I would say that um, The Demolisher is really not bad. I mean, Death Wish, which doesn't really hold up, is is really the the number one film in that genre. But The Demolisher is kind of an interesting little low-budget horror thriller addition to the vigilante uh, genre. So if you're into that stuff, um, I would check it out. I'm all right. Say it. I never thought I would say that, but uh, it is true. So small towns are where all this horrible stuff happens. You um, were born in a small town. No, 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 no. So uh, She Who Must Burn <laughs> is from uh, Larry Kent, who's formed a pretty good little collection of pretty good filmography out of uh, low-budget horror films. Uh, Larry Kent, you, you know him almost certainly from uh, movies like Bitter Ash and the hamster cage, don't you, Mark? No? Oh, yeah, you, you yeah. kidding me? Sure, of course. 
So anyway, yeah, it's a it's a small town. There's there's it's meant to be a, a very very obvious allegory for like Planned Parenthood and so forth. That you have this woman named Angela who is. Um, She's, you know, she's a medical crusader in a small town, in a small blue-collar town, and um, there are people who wish her ill, and for all kinds of extremely religious reasons, and uh, eventually they take their vengeance. Uh, it is, again, it's it. I, people should, if you're if you're very politically sensitive to the subject. And you don't want an allegory really shoved in your face. You won't enjoy it. But if you're just looking for some skill, some scares and some thrills, it, Kent does a good job. He's a you know he's a he's a capable filmmaker. Uh, this is a DVD R. Very very. I mean, it just adds to the whole you know gritty ultra low budget shot with a video camera in, in a back room, almost snuff film feel to this thing. It's called a Two Jennifer. That's the numeral two, and uh, then Jennifer. And uh, it's a kind of somewhat meta thing uh, about a uh, young filmmaker who gets an old buddy of his to um, make a sequel to uh, this low-budget film that he's already made. And uh, when they get the actress, or when they're auditioning the actress to, uh, to you know, be in the film, uh, things go wrong, uh, and you, you realize that it, they just didn't have enough money to actually shoot a real movie. So uh, it's it's, but they make the best with what they have. You know, I mean, if you want a, a kind of a, it's I, I don't even want to call it a found footage movie. It's like it's it's. I mean, it's an interesting idea. You know, a, a casting audition, an audition tape that and that captures you know mayhem and madness and everything goes crazy. A uh, very simple idea, but uh, I don't know. It's got a snuff film quality to it. It's almost more funny than uh, than effective. Carry on. You know, speaking of snuff films, <clears throat> I almost wanted to kill myself after watching Satanic. Now, Sarah <laughs> Hyland is on Modern Family, right? Uh, I guess. Is Modern Family? I've stopped watching that show. <laughs> I don't know why the f she wants to do crap like this. I mean, it is crazy. Some, you know. I mean, Sarah paychecks, Island. Paychecks. Huh? Paychecks. Look, she's on a. She, she's. Uh, you know what? I'm stop for a second. No, don't don't stop the recording. I'm going to look up how old is Sarah Highland. Sarah Highland. Okay. Okay. Sarah Highland was born in 1990. She's 25 years old. Okay. <clears throat> she's on Modern Family. Yeah. She's got mailbox money for the rest of her effing life. Sure. Why the hell you would do Satanic, I just do not understand. Uh, you know, I guess it says from the producers of The Walking Dead, so maybe that was, a, uh, that was an enticement, but this is just garbage. And it's about these college kids, and they're going to, they're going to uh, Coachella, which is the uh, music festival in the desert yeah. here in Los Angeles, outside of Los Angeles. So they decide to stop in L.A. and uh, check out some of the occult stores, and they wind up uh, being stalked by an actual occultist. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you want, if you want to see this movie done, done, it's not quite this movie, but it reminded me of it. Go rent Green Room. Green Room oh, yeah, is sure. the, uh, the Patrick sure. Stewart thing. Yeah, for sure. That is the same kind of story yeah. done in a way more professional, yeah. adult. We're actual filmmakers. We're yeah. actual performers giving yeah. a performance kind of a way. Yeah. Um, just uh, satanic is just like, are you kidding me? So we got another uh, DVD-R here from uh, the Sector 5 people. And uh, this one's also super, super low budget, as these all are, because it's DVD-R. They can't afford anything. But it's better than an audition tape. It's called And Hell Awaits, which is uh, about this um, lieutenant, this retired uh, police lieutenant, who winds up in this very bizarre kind of crossover... I don't want to say near-death experience, but to cross over between the other world and our world. I mean, it's it's cheesy, and it's low-budget, and uh, it's not well-acted. It's pretty well-executed, considering that they have next to no resources. They obviously had a little fun with it. So, I mean, this is one, to, this is one you can have more fun with. I, I, I got to kind, of, kind of give props to this. And Hell Awaits, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of fun. Especially, they spent nothing on it. These things cost nothing. They, they, they pay their crew with, like, food. From Subway. Um, there's a film written and directed by a guy named Frank Lalogia. Yeah. Now, it's not Frank Langella. Oh, okay. And it's not Robert Loggia. It's Frank Lalogia. 
Is he the love child of... I, I don't know. Robert Loggia and Frank Langella? I, I do not know. Right. Um, but it's not, it's not bad. It's from 1988. I had not seen it at the time, although I'd heard of it, because look at the... Does this not remind you of, like... Um, didn't um, Flashdance have a similar oh, I one think sheet, so. right? Yeah, yeah. With perhaps. like the white scripted uh, lettering of the title yeah, yeah, and yeah, a lot yeah. of darkness there. Yeah. Well, you know what? Wait, you, you talk dance. about something else. I'm going to look this up, which of course okay. our listeners will never appreciate because no. uh, they're listening to this. But I'm just curious. Uh, we previously talked about the Invoking Three Poltergeist Dimensions, and uh, that's been re-released to uh, take advantage of the Halloween moment. So um, this is actually not bad. Um, this is this is a better than most low budget horror film. It, it borrows a lot from obviously Poltergeist and from The Ring, and there are a lot of you know a lot of uh, recent and semi contemporary uh, horror film franchises that you see sort of evoked in the invoking. But um, it's uh, you know the, the the whole idea of ghosts coming back. It's a little bit like you know Night of the Living Dead, except with ghosts. It's fine, um, perfectly adequate. I, I'm not that familiar with the invoking one or two, but I assume that we're in the ballpark here. So, bravo! And then uh, the inhabitants, as we wend our way down to the uh, the bottom of the barrel, before we really get into some pretty cool stuff. There's some really great releases this week. Um, the inhabitants actually is is quite scary. The um, it's uh, it's got a lot of good. The plot is better than the direction. Basically, uh, this is from Film Rise. This was uh, made last year, and uh, it's one of those Amityville horror type scenarios. You have this couple who uh, you know they have it. They just bought a bed and breakfast, and they're all excited, and they're renovating it. And then there's something in the house. What? And it wants her. So uh, we've all been there before, but it's uh, done by the Rasmussen brothers, who are very, very capable. And uh, I think we're going to be hearing more from the Rasmussen brothers as we go forward. The movie is The Inhabitants. Okay, hang on a second. Wait. Uh, you know what? I, I must not be thinking of the right movie because I grabbed. Move that. Yeah. So I grabbed. There's the Lady in White. This yeah. is not what I thought it was. I, I thought yeah. Flashdance, and then I thought maybe it's Birdie. Uh, no. no. There's a movie I'm missing that looks like this. Looks like that one she's well, it's the Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, it might have been Birdie. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Anyway, okay, here's the thing with Lady in White. Yeah. Is that um, it's a bit of a forgotten film. It's a good film. It, uh, you know, in, with, with the standard of the genre now, it doesn't necessarily hold up 100%, but um, it was surprisingly well-received at the time. It's uh, Lucas Haas plays this kid, and he gets locked in his school, one of the closets in his school for the night. These kids play a trick on him. And so while he's stuck in the school, there, he sees a ghost, and the ghost is of this young girl who was killed by a serial killer, and this is her ghost. So, he, so the kid and the ghost decide to try to, you know, find this killer who had killed other people also um, in this little town that they live in. So um, I... I had not. I had remembered this film at the time, and then when I rewatched it, I remembered it a little bit more. It's got a good sense of place. It takes place in the early '60s. It's um, it's very much uh, depends on style and tone more than it does, you know, boo moments, which might turn off, you know, modern audiences. Sure. Um, but uh, and it's a pretty complicated story, which I like. It's not just like, oh, there's a killer, let's kill him, and that's not it. And it's more than that. Um, the special effects are a little bit dated. Um, you know, the clue, I, I like the ending, bit of a cliffhanger. So, uh, yeah, The Lady in White is a good, it's a good adult thriller, kind of horror ghost story thriller. If you feel like you've seen all the, all the low-budget crap that we're talking about today, totally. <laughs> check out something that's kind of uh, forgotten and is now being rediscovered, and it's pretty cool, The Lady in White. I uh, got a couple about the scary forests. One is called Girl in the Woods, or, gir- or just Girl in Woods. The other is The Devil's Forest. So Girl in Woods, not bad. Uh, it's kind of like repulsion in the Appalachians a little bit. Uh, there's a woman who uh, wa- finds herself stranded after tragedy. She's in the Appalachians, and it's a survival story, but it also is about her psychological deterioration over the course of this survival story. 
which gets into repulsion territory as her mind comes apart and what what you know sort of enters her world literally and figuratively as her mind detaches from it. Uh, made for very little money, as most of these are, but actually quite well done. Jeremy Benson is the director. Look for his name in the future. He will continue to do more. And then uh, The Devil's Forest, low-budget film shot in Romania, based on the idea that I get, I don't know if this is even true or not, that there's a part of the Romanian forest that is, is, is a very has a history of being a, a place where people and things disappear. I don't know uh, if that's true or not. Uh, but obviously they got a tax credit from, uh, from Romania, so they shot there. And they made the best of it. It's a little bit Blair Witchy, but uh, otherwise perfectly fine. That's the Devil's Forest. And that's all the really junky stuff this week. Now we can get into uh, the more the, the kind of little higher-end stuff. And uh, we've got uh, some KidVid here. Halloween KidVid. Nope. There is some stuff. Not, not just creepy stuff for adults. There is creepy stuff for kids. And uh, naturally one of them is Welcome to Monster High, the origin story. So if you like the whole Monster High thing, this takes us back to how it all began. I'm not really into Monster High. A lot of kids are. This is perfectly fine. Totally acceptable. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD, ultraviolet. We also have Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom. Uh, isn't that lovely? No. This is this is the uh, this is this is when H.P. Lovecraft was a little boy. That's what Aww. it is. This is CGI animated story of Lovecraft as a little boy. It wants to kind of get into Tim Burton territory a little bit, but it's sort of afraid to go there. Um, this is on Blu-ray with a DVD and um, digital download, not ultraviolet, but just regular digital download. So uh, you'll have to make do with whatever format that comes in. It includes a featurette and an audio commentary and uh, is otherwise perfectly fine. Christopher Plummer and Ron Perlman and uh, Jane Curtin are among the vocal talents. Um, perfectly fine. Nothing, nothing terrible here. It was enjoyable. Good for Halloween. And then the last one for the kids, which I think is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard, is uh, Saban's Power Rangers Dino Charge Rise Spooktacular Halloween Edition. Sweet. Oh, my gosh. Look, Mark, he's got a pumpkin. Oh, that's not just a pumpkin. That pumpkin's going to kick your ass. Yeah, that's right. And in bo- point of fact, there's nothing halloween about this. It's just four episodes and then a Halloween special on it. Uh, but they package this to give it a Halloween flavor and obviously try to sell more. So... Uh, be aware of that when you see this. Uh, if you see it on the shelves or you see it somewhere, it's 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 not very Halloweeny. It's just a marketing ploy, and that's what they often do. On DVD and on Blu-ray is Corpse Party. Um, Corpse Party is uh, is actually pretty good. This is a uh, this is Japanese horror. It's not quite J horror. I don't want to say. Um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't rise to that level, but it's it it it, it has a certain low budget Jap exploitation quality to it. I hate that word. It's like exploitation. It doesn't roll off the the tongue very well. well. It, it starts with the word Jap. Yeah, which is uh, which is a, typically a slur unless yes. you're talking about Jap exploitation, yes. which is a legitimate word like black exploitation. So I mean, it does it does discuss a certain it does reference a certain genre. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is one of those things that you know. Every, what these low budget horror films often do is find a limited, lo- lo- a, a small contained location that lets you, that serves as a, an, an excellent excuse to do something horrific. So it'll be a basement or a haunted house or whatever it is, a school. And in this case, it's a school. So um, you know, uh, we just we 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 use a school as a a locale for an awful lot of uh, so called student bodies. As they say on the on the packaging, the student bodies are stacking up. I prefer the movie Student Bodies, which is an old uh, '70s era. Uh, I remember that movie. Remember that? Yeah. It, it was directed by Alan Smithy. It was. It <laughs> Who was, is that man? It, it Why was, does he direct all it, these? Terrible I remember films? seeing it. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world when I was a teenager. It's probably I probably just. I mean, it, it just recently came out, you know, on DVD-R. So, uh, which makes me a little bit happy. But uh, Malvert P. Red. I still remember that. Isn't that weird? A completely forgettable movie, and I still remembered, uh, you know, I remember lines from it. That tells you something. 
Anyway, Japanese teens are just as dumb as American teens, and uh, you've you know you got a school that's had a lot of murders, and there's you know a, an alternate dimension, and things get very very weird, and uh, it's you know you, fighting ghosts and whatnot. Corpse party, that's what it is. Don't expect for it to make much sense. It's just it is what it is. It's got a you know it's a it's a pretty run of the mill ghost and haunted uh, alternate dimension movie done Japanese style. It's worth checking out, but it's not top tier. Uh, J-horror. Now here's top tier. There you go. That's the top tier. This is what you're this is what you're going to spend your money on this week. Trilogia de Guillermo del Toro from Criterion. This is one this is one of the best Criterion releases of the year. This includes Kronos, Devil's Backbone, and Pan's Labyrinth, which pretty much, you know. This is what you should get for Halloween, bottom this line. This is our this is this is what you get for Halloween. This is our pick of the week for sure. I mean, Del Toro, I, I don't, we don't have to tell you guys how great Guillermo Del Toro is. He's the master of the, you know, sumptuous, gorgeous, highbrow mm-hmm. horror thing. Yes. And all of his movies are just replete with just myth and monsters and vampires and tapping into childhood fears and it's just there's so much going on with his films yep. that uh, this really is a great, great must-buy collection. So um, does every film look good? Yes, every film looks good. Um, it's a great booklet. It opens up nice. It's got, some, it's got a little booklet with information on uh, Del Toro and the film. Um, you know, some of these uh, extras you've seen before on previous versions of these films on uh, home video, but uh, Devil's Backbone has deleted scenes and a commentary by Del Toro. There's a scene-by-scene, a, a picture-in-picture kind of presentation, um, which is interesting, where he kind of narrates some of the sketches for the film. Um, you know, Pan's Labyrinth looks great. They all look really good. So, you know, if you're a Del Toro fan, now I have, you know, Pan's Labyrinth already. Um, mm-hmm. Devil's Backbone I was not able to get because I think it went I think it went out of print uh, Devil's Backbone is still really good but that's really good yeah. and so I would I'm, I'm going to dump it and get these and get this one thing for sure because it's just great it's fantastic it's nice packaging too it's a very unusual they kind of they, they decided to really do a, a very different thing it's it's custom packaging but it's a square package well it's, it's weird because uh, it might fit a little awkwardly in your shelf it will definitely fit awkwardly in the shelf uh, there's no question about it but I doesn't I don't care then I'll, then I'll always know where to pull out the Del Toro uh, what We Become, DVD and uh, Blu-ray combo pack of a film by Bo Mickelson. To my knowledge, no relationship to uh, Mads Mickelson. This is from IFC Midnight. Uh, kind of a, another variation on the zombie theme. Family moves into a uh, suburb, and then uh, the neighborhood is like quarantined on lockdown because of a plague, which turns out to be much more than just a plague. Perfectly fine, perfectly acceptable, well done. Uh, nothing uh, groundbreaking, nothing earth-shattering. I hate to keep saying that, but for for some decent scares, it is well done and uh, and pretty decent. And then uh, we also have Waxwork and Waxwork 2, Lost in Time, on a double feature. These are a couple of old Vestron. uh, Remember Vestron? Vestron in the early days? Yes. These are from the Vestron Library, which we're going to start seeing more and more of. Uh, Lionsgate has put them onto a Blu-ray double feature. And uh, Waxwork 2 is mostly the case with these kinds of films. Not really anything to scream about. Uh, Both of these have audio commentaries with Anthony Hickox and Zach Galligan. But um, Waxwork is really what you're getting this for. And Waxwork is one of the most interesting horror films or of its kind from the 90s when a lot of this stuff was really waning you know you came out of the out of the 80s with the Charles Band stuff and the uh, uh, you know what with like all the all the gremlins knockoffs ghoulies and all that stuff and leprechaun so that particular era um, gave us an awful lot of junk and waxwork is not really junky waxwork is is pretty cool the whole idea of you know that it's it beyond house of wax um Interesting, really interesting film. Well done. So uh, nice to rediscover some Vestron stuff. And you know, I, I love it when the Annapurna logo references the Vestron logo. I know that's so cool. Also, you know, the the A twenty four logo has that kind of throwback. It does. Look to it, it does a little bit. The the, the off registered colors. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then we also, and before we really, now we're really going to get into some fun stuff here in just a moment. Uh, Dark Angel: The Ascent. This is uh, a movie with which I was previously entirely unfamiliar. This is uh, another um, 
full moon entertainment, full moon feature thing from the, the Charles Band factory. And uh, completely off my radar, but it's, it's uh, pretty surprisingly well done, actually. The idea is the, um, you have a woman who is a demon who uh, comes up from hell to... I, let, let's put it this way. This is like the reverse of Wings of Desire. Oh, Does that make I sense? Love Wings of Desire. Okay, this is the reverse. She comes up from hell and wants to live among us. And then, uh, of course, there's, you know... She has a relationship with a guy, and uh, he finds out who she is, and yada, yada, yada. We fill it in from there. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it would normally be kind of a silly, a silly horror myth done low-budget style, but somehow everything that Charles Band touches or, or produces for others in that Corman-like way winds up kind of being sort of cool and uh, indelible in a certain way. And this is on Blu-ray from uh, Full Moon Features, and uh, I, I have a hard time really disliking this. I think it's actually kind of cool. So it comes with a, sp- a couple of special features, uh, trailers for other Full Moon films and the uh, original Video Zone. Mark. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I, I, I know last week I said that I was getting better. Yeah, I have to admit, I have not been um, coughing as much as, uh, well, good for you. as I was in previous weeks. Which means that uh, I could, my, I might live. Unfortunately for the uh, listeners of the show, I, I might live. Uh, wait, somehow Child's Play wound up in, being this, you know, multi-film phenomenon. There's, yeah, I don't know why. There's the original, original Child's Play, the and there's Child's Play two, there's Child's Play three. Um, it's just, it's just enough. And then, now, you know, the the original Child's Play. Um, from uh, I think it was in the eighties. Was it? Was Charles playing in the eighties sometime? Yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, you know it. It was cute because, you know, at the time everybody was into Cabbage Patch Kids, and now it's all video games. But people were into Cabbage Patch Kids, standing in line forever. And here comes Chucky, this doll who's going to like you know, stab you and beat the crap out of you. And yeah. it was just really. It was. It was just kind of. It was scary, but it was also kind of funny. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think this. I think the original Child's Play is a lot of fun, and the the thing with, the, with with a lot of the films we're talking about today is that they're not really fun. You know, all they want to do is just be filled with dread. Yeah. And that's the experience you should take from it. But something like Child's Play was had a lot of energy, and it had some. And it was, you know, pretty well made, you know, directed by Tom Holland. Sure. Um, but it was kind of like fun in a way. It was kind of clever. And that was sort of a different vibe for films at that time. It also, by the way, stars Catherine Hicks. Now, Catherine Hicks played the mom. Nice. She was in Star Trek Four. Yep. She was also the star of Tucker's Witch, which needs to be on DVD. She was also the star of uh, Seventh Heaven with the, with, with the guy true. from Star Trek, the motion picture, who... Fondled little boys. He was ahead of his time. In fondling boys? In just making sex scandals. Exactly. You know, he was the original... Gro- nah, I guess Schwarzenegger was the original groper, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he had a whole other family. Best. Anyway, so the whole idea with Child's Play, if you don't know it, is that uh, yeah. there's this kid. The kid wants to buy this new doll. Doll's 100 bucks. So the mom buys a cheap knockoff doll. Um, and, of course, once the cheap knockoff doll, Chucky, is home... He's, you know, around adults. He doesn't say much, but then he winds up striking up a friendship with the kid. And, uh, yeah, so then Chucky, of course, you know, he winds up uh, eventually getting a little bit uh, more violent. He's got a claw hammer, right? He yep. likes to use it. Yeah. And so I, and a knife. He likes to use that, too. So I think it's pretty – it's well-made stuff. It was cute. Uh, the, you know, the, the sequels were crap, but this one I think is cute, I have to say. And it's two-disc set – from uh, the good people at Scream Factory, uh, we were just saying on Facebook the other day how much we enjoy Shout Factory, and by extension, that would also include Scream Factory. There's a new audio commentary with Tom Holland, uh, which is good. There's a, a new 2K scan of it, so it looks about as good as it's ever going to get, considering it's old and low budget. So uh, I would definitely check out Child's Play. It's a lot of fun. Nice. So um, exploitation maestro Joe Sarno is uh, now his, his old films are finding a home at the Film Movement Classics, uh, with the Film Movement Classics Library. Joe Sarno, uh, we're going to talk more about his films momentarily, but in the 60s and into the 70s, he made a lot of really interesting kind of sexploitation stuff 
but uh, not the usual just kind of grindhouse fare. I mean, he really there, there's something very interesting about it. He somehow found a particular genre, feel, uh, style, and uh, made it all his own. And these films do have a certain uh, fascinating aesthetic. Double feature here of Vampire Ecstasy and Sinew Sinners, made 10 years apart. Sinew Sinners is the earlier film from 1963, which is basically about a stripper who stays young because she has a magic voodoo medallion. And then uh, the, the medallion is stolen and uh, all hell is unleashed. Um, uh, which is it's, it's okay it's fine the more interesting film is Vampire Ecstasy which is um, about some women who are looking to claim an ancient ancestral inheritance and uh, wind up bumping into some really nasty witches with a pretty nasty idea on their minds that is actually very spooky very well done has a kind of a wicker man feel to it and uh, is worth checking out both of those they're on a double feature Blu-ray from uh, Film Movement Classics and then uh, it wouldn't be Halloween if we didn't have a Lucio Fulci movie or something from the Giallo realm. And uh, we do, in fact, have a three-disc limited edition from Blue Underground of Lucio Fulci's Manhattan Baby. Uh, this is a, an archetypal Lucio Fulci movie, kind of an archetypal Giallo film in many respects. It is... Uh, it it just it is exactly what you would expect if you've ever seen a Lucio Fulci film. They go to town on this thing, loaded up with extras, uh, all kinds of featurettes, and interviews with just about everyone who had anything to do with this movie. It's rather amazing. There's even a live studio performance by Fabri- Fabio Fritzi of the Manhattan Baby Suite. Uh, they just they load this thing with everything. Uh, the story is actually not bad. It's one of the better Lucio Fulci stories about a uh, a girl who receives this um, this kind of amulet on while visiting Egypt, and uh, it has a curse on it. And then they bring it back to New York with them, and uh, it just it wreaks havoc with them and the city. Um, not, it really one of the more interesting Lucio Fulci films. I got to give him credit. So Manhattan Baby. Uh, three discs, a limited edition on Blu-ray from uh, Blue Underground. It also has a DVD on here. Really very interesting. Wait, I was reading a, uh, an interesting... Um, I was reading an interesting article about The Thing, John yeah. Carpenter's The Thing, which, of course, is a, just a... I just love this movie. It's a great movie. This is one of the great films of... One of the best remakes ever, right? Yeah. Because it, do, because it doesn't just try to... Re, it, it reconceptualizes. It, does, it makes it its own. It's, it's like Ghostbusters of, did. Uh, yeah, not so much. Um, I was reading about um, The Thing, which you already know we love, uh, in Village Voice, because they wrote an article about the film in anticipation of this new uh, Blu-ray release from Scream Factory, which I have to say, there's some new stuff here which is great, but... I don't know if you want to quadruple dip on this thing. But um, they were mentioning that when the film premiered in 1982, it was such a dud that John Carpenter was fired from his next gig, which was, which was directing Firestarter. Isn't that amazing? I did not know that. I didn't either. So Carpenter was going to direct. Now, if Carpenter had directed Firestarter... It would have been a much better movie. That would have been terrific. Yeah. Better than Mark Lester. Yeah. So I don't know what else we can say about the thing. We love this film. Really, is just a function of whether you should um, dump whatever other version you have of it. And buy this one before. Uh, buy this one. Um, it's a two-disc set. It's got a 2K transfer supervised by the DP, Dean Cundy, who also shot Back to the Future. So he's a terrific DP. Um, it's got a bunch of new interviews. You know, is the transfer that much better than the one that you have? If you really love this film and you can sell your old version, maybe you'd want to upgrade. Um, Otherwise, you can keep the one you have. But um, either way, feel free to give whatever money you have to the thing because we love this film. So, yeah, there you go. Short and sweet because we already love we already love this film. Another Italian film from the director Luciano Onetti. It's called Francesca. Um, <laughs> this has some of the. This is just creepy artwork. Mark, describe the artwork to people. Well, it looks like a woman who's holding Chucky <laughs> in one hand and a knife, a bloody knife in the other, and it looks like she's uh, she stabbed somebody. Yeah, to, I'm, take, I'm, to take the doll away. I'm, oh, is that right? Well, it's what it looks like. But see that yeah. she looks like. But the woman with the knife looks like a nanny. She looks older, like yeah. a, like a mom or a nanny. 
So here's the thing. Uh, this has all kinds of interesting little uh, Italian film meta references in it, not just because you know you have the name Visconti in here and so forth. But the idea is that there was a little girl who vanished 15 years ago whose father is a very, very play- famous playwright. And, um, the, um, and now there's this serial killer who wants to just take out anyone in the city who is, quote-unquote, impure and damned. And um, you got to so they're they're trying to sort of figure out these detectives are trying to you know put the pieces together, and uh, of course the uh, suggestion here is that the little girl who disappeared 15 years before is back. So there isn't there's a very interesting angle to this. Yes, it's it's kind of a conventional uh, psycho slash serial killer movie, but it also has some really interesting nuances. The type that you don't really see necessarily in American horror films. You see them in European ones, and you especially see them in Korean ones. So, um, pretty interesting film. This is a nice collector's edition of Francesca. Comes with a Blu-ray, a DVD, a CD soundtrack, and uh, a few pretty decent extras, including featurette and deleted scenes and an interview with, uh, with the principals. So, uh, it's worth checking out. Wade. Here's situation. Yep. There's a film. Oh, I know. I know, there is, somewhere. Uh, Carrie is a Brian De Palma film. It was Stephen King's first novel. It was also Stephen King's um, uh, first, it was also the first Stephen King book to be made into a film. Sure. He didn't have to wait two, three, four books in. Did not. Carrie, done. Um, I would say that um, this is better than any other version on home video of Carrie that you have seen. Yep. So if you like this film, I would definitely get this version. I find it interesting that there's this trend now, and people have mentioned this on the Facebook page, of Blu-ray covers that are like high-quality... Paintings. Paintings. Yeah. And His Girl Friday, I believe, the Criterion His Girl Friday that comes out, which I I will be first in line to buy... That has like a black and white painting, I believe. But Might look be. at this one. It's very interesting. Very it, nice. The thing is that this thing has to stand for a doc. This thing, this thing is a document of the film. The, yeah. w- whether you use the one sheet yeah. or you use whatever you're going to use, it stands as a document of it what does. the film is about. So the idea that they would do this for any film, especially a classic like Carrie, is a little strange. Yeah. But, um, but it doesn't matter because uh, this is terrific. It's got two discs. It's got a 4K scan of the original negative, which is great. The only thing it's missing, which it'll never have, is a commentary with Stephen King, which I would love to see. Um, I know he was happy with the final outcome. So uh, the audio quality here is pretty good. It's got a 5.1 and a 2.0 mono track. Um, it does the job, especially because, you know, there's a bit of, there's a bit of an oral experience, you know. The music is good. It's got effects in it. And so... You know, it could have used more surround activity, but still, I think it's good stuff. Um, there's a new interview with the writer and the editor, not the writer, um, Stephen King. But um, some of the actors, Piper Laurie, who's still around, Nancy Allen, who's still around, Betty Buckley, William Catt. Was yes. In, we forget that William Catt. We right? keep ta- he keeps showing up in movies. Yeah, Greatest American Hero. He yep. was in this. He was the boyfriend yep. kind of guy. Um, so, yeah. So, there's, some, there's enough new stuff in here. It is a 4K transfer that if you have any other version of Carrie, you should go ahead and upgrade. Nice, and um, Mark, let's finish it. Let's finish that, and then before I get into the really scary stuff here, because this is a movie I'm fond of. Really? Yeah, I am fond Why? of this because John Borman directed it, and damn it, I'm going to defend him until my dying day. No, it's, no, no. This is Exorcist Three. Oh, Exorcist Three. That was that was directed was by Exor- William Peter Blatty, uh, the guy who mind. wrote The Exorcist. Oh, was, you know what? So um, William, um, or maybe I'll, Exorcist you, Two, The Heretic. That's that was that's the, the one, one that I everybody love. hates more than life itself, Shoot. and you you love for some reason because you're I an do. idiot. Oh, well, no, Exorcist, see, you, no, Exorcist see, 3, that's the blatty thing. That's no good. No, see, you here's the thing. You you love films that other people hate just because you're like some weird – like you love Star Trek, the motion picture, yep. you lo- which everybody hates. You love The Exorcist 2, which yes. everybody hates. You're out of your mind. Yeah, well, okay. So Exorcist 3, well, I, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen The Exorcist 3. So why don't you why don't you tell me if it's worth it? Well, here's the thing. I mean, Blatty, you know, look, Blatty, he's pretty much made a, made a, a career out of The Exorcist, and – you know, The Exorcist 2 was so bad, but yet people still had an interest in Exorcist yeah. 3. People still wanted to make the film. Crazy. And so, you know, he wrote the film, and Friedkin was not going to direct it. Um, 
so it just it just became like Blatty's thing. I don't know who would say, you know what? You wrote the book. You should direct a film. Yeah, they did that I to mean, Stephen King a couple of times too. I mean, the things like a, it had like an eleven million dollar budget. That's a lot of money to give to like a like a writer. Well, anyway, it's if I recall, this was kind of an afterthought of a movie that kind of killed off the franchise until they tried to resurrect it with what wound up being the dueling Rennie Harlan, Paul Schrader. That's right. Film. Which was, which to this day, I think is just one of the strangest things ever that you have. Oh, the strangest situations where. uh, Well, you have two two completely different cuts from two completely different directors of the same movie. The same movie that it's just it's very weird, and you know both of them exist in the world. It's very strange. It's very strange. Anyway, is it worth checking out? Exorcist three? No. Okay. All right. So much. Fair enough. Good. Oh, I guess unless you're now, here's a horror film right here. That's right. So we got the, we're, we're going to wrap out with uh, four documentaries that are either uh, terrifying or that have terrifying titles or that have something even uh, nothing to do with Halloween. But there's an excuse like Breaking a Monster, which is uh, has nothing to do with monsters. But we're going to mention it just because it has monster in the title. This is actually a, a really sharp little doc. Uh, it's kind of like a teen rock and roll hoop dreams. It's about uh, this sixth grade metal band, and uh, it, is a, it is a good, solid little doc following these three kids. Uh, they're, they're really good, and they're really talented, and uh, director Luke Meyer and his, uh, his co-writer, producer, partner, Brad Turner, do a really, really good job of uh, telling this story in a sensitive way that doesn't feel like reality television. Then we also have Zika, Ebola, and Beyond. Uh, Spillover. This is a uh, PBS documentary. It will scare the daylights out of you because you will realize exactly what all of these horrible tropical illnesses are all about. And, uh, you know, yes, we get to sort of live in the first world in convenience and not have to worry about it. But, man, when you get really close to the ground, it is terrifying. Here we have a documentary uh, called Being Canadian. And I mention this only because Canadians scare me. They terrify me. They are an absolutely evil, demonic uh, spawn species that lives up there on our border. And we are terrified of them. We are terrified. That's why we want to lock the border. That's why we want to close the borders. Because we don't want them coming over. Damn right. That's it. they talk funny. They talk funny. They, they, things, they say things like a boot instead of about. They're America's hat. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, those terrifying Canadians—they're uh, all over this thing. Dan Aykroyd and uh, Malcolm Gladwell and Paul Schaefer. Didn't even know that Paul Schaefer was Canadian. I don't like really him didn't anymore. know that. No, I didn't know that. Seth Rogen didn't know he was Canadian. I did not know that. Yep, Catherine O'Hara. I knew that. Um, Eugene Levy, Martin Short, obviously knew that. I keep seeing Martin Short at the grocery store. It's very strange. Howie Mandel did not know that he was Canadian. Did you know that William Shatner was Canadian? I did. I actually. think everybody. I think everybody yes. knows that. All right. And then, lastly, Mark, it's election season. What would it be without an absolutely terrifying documentary like Hillary's e- America? E- e- it's e- not terrifying. E- it's just it's just Dinesh D'Souza. Is a, he's like the Michael Moore of the right. He just does. Yeah. He just does whatever he wants, says whatever he wants, and and every, everything equals to Hillary's the worst thing that ever lived. Well, I I I include this because after your Exorcist three bit. Read the quote at the bottom of this. <laughs> Utterly terrifying and based on a true story, William Peter Blatty, <laughs> yeah. author and producer of The Exorcist. Which I guess is there because we're supposed to imagine that Hillary's head turns around. I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was horrible. hysterical that William Peter Blatty is quoted. Is the, That's your poll quote for the cover of Hillary's America. I mean, like slave owners lament. Is it? Come on, yeah. man. Anyway, it's there. It's there. It's in the world. Last uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about the uh, the Bill Clinton thing, the uh, you know the doc by what's his face, uh, Harry. Uh, Harry, you you weren't here, but uh, we uh, we talked about uh, uh, Harry Floodwood Thompson. Oh, Harry yeah. Thompson, the you know the the, the hunt, hunting the, the president about the you know the alleged conspiracy to bring the Clintons down. Everybody's got a documentary in this season. Don't but Dinesh D'Souza is like you you. It's like Michael Moore. You already know what you're getting. I mean, what, yeah. what are you, you going to? I mean, if nothing else, I, I have heard Michael yeah, Moore criticize uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Nancy Sue's would never Hillary, uh, criticize Donald Trump. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, I, I'm just going to focus on movies, man. So that's it. Uh, we will be back next week and uh, start putting it on your calendar. The week of Thanksgiving is going to be our annual uh, holiday show. 
Um, it's uh, We're going to have all kinds of fun interviews and features and other stuff. We've been too long in the past, so we're going to try to make this show nice and tight for you so it doesn't really blow out your uh, your Black Friday week. And you have just some idea of what you want to get, what you want to ask for, what you want to get for others. So uh, it's going to be the week of Thanksgiving and Black Friday that we do our big annual holiday show and gift guide. Look for that. Put it on your calendars. It's just a few weeks away. And uh, in the meantime, remember, we have a giveaway, Phantom of the Theater. Terrific uh, Chinese haunted theater movie. Send us emails to gods at digigods.com with theater in the subject and uh, your name and address in the body of the email. And uh, for lucky people, as long as you get us your emails by the 28th of October, we will get this out to you. So otherwise, have a great Halloween. <laughs>